0: Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM-7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today I'm joined by Dr. Annette Carabo. Dr. Carabo is an Associate Professor of Medicine and Clinical Pharmacology at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, as well as in the Department of Molecular Physiology and Biophysics. Her laboratory research focuses on understanding the interaction between oxidative stress and inflammation in the genesis of hypertension and kidney disease and how excess dietary salt and the gut microbiome play a role in this process. In this episode, she explains the difference between the microbiota and the microbiome and how to foster a healthy gut. In addition, she explains the difference between probiotics and prebiotics, how high salt diets can be harmful to the microbiota and much more more. But before we get started, if you're looking for curated information for high performers just like you, then sign up for my free high-performance newsletter, Adaptation. Every Friday, I'll send you cutting-edge science and tools for your mind, body, and recovery. And also, when you sign up, you get my free Ultimate Sleep Cheat Sheet, a quick start guide for improving your sleep. Sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcoram.com. But now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Annette, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you on The Blueprint. Would you please start off by explaining the difference between the microbiome and the microbiota? I think that's something that people you know, get confused a lot. And then how do we help foster a healthy microbiota?
1: Yeah thank you so much Eric for this opportunity. I'm I'm so delighted and happy to be here and uh, yeah so the the question of uh, of microbiota versus microbiome and I'm I'm glad you asked that question because it's used interchangeably a lot and I'm guilty in my papers for using this interchangeably. So microbiota are the actual bugs, the actual bacteria that that are in the gut and actually this is not even just that's bacteria. It also encompasses other small microscopic, micro means microscopic, you can't see it with the eye, but it involves viruses, it involves microscopic organisms, not just bacteria. Microbiome, on the other hand, are the genes, the genes that make up, you know, so most of the time when we study microbiota, we do not, we're not looking at the microbacteria which are alive, so we look at the genome, the, the genes, and so that is what, what we call the microbiome.
0: When people use probiotics or they're trying to use food, to, what are you really trying to impact when it comes to your gut? Is it both? Is it one that leads to the other?
1: So most of the time we are trying to impact when we do probiotics, we are trying to impact the microbiota. We, we are trying to foster a healthy bacteria to grow within our gut. And that is, there's is an extensive research that shows that uh, it is good to foster using probiotics or prebiotics to foster a healthy gut microbiota.
0: What's the difference between a probiotic and a prebiotic?
1: A prebiotic I things like that. If you eat a diet, that for example, uh, some researchers are looking at the impact of fiber. You know that that is not directly impacting how your microbiota are going to change, but it is providing environment or the food to foster health bacteria. Probiotics sometimes they you know they are eating actual <laughs> actual bacteria that you know that you know they are going to grow in your gut. Prebiotics. Uh, when you're fostering the environment within your body. So that's a healthy gut microbiota can grow.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So you're actually like kind of feeding the bacteria. The probiotic is the bacteria itself. I know a lot of this can be used in marketing and can be gimmicks, you know, but uh, this makes a lot of sense. So if I want to impact my microbiota, what are some healthy habits or things that I should be doing so that I have a healthy gut?
1: Exactly. I mean, that is the, the question because there are so many things that we have control over and sometimes we don't have control over that impact our gut microbiota. For example, from when you're born, are you born via vaginal birth or C-section birth? That can impact the microbiota that you start with without you having any control. Then the lifestyle you live. For example, if you're twins, you have the same genes, but you, when you grow up in a clean, sterilized environment you know, that uses a lot of uh, antibiotics, your microbiota are going to be different from someone like me who grew up in uh, rural Uganda, Africa, drinking swampy water and uh, playing and, you know, jumping in muddy puddles. So that impacts the microbiota differently. That is one way. My research shows that when you eat a, a high salt diet, you can kill the good bacteria and allow the bad bacteria to grow which can induce inflammation and lead to cardiovascular disease and high blood pressure.
0: Can we double-click on that for a second? Yes. Okay, so how much salt is a high-salt diet?
1: The American Heart Association recommends to eat 2.3 grams of sodium per day, and that is equivalent to one teaspoon of Sodium. One teaspoon of that result, and that is very, very uh, little and almost not achievable.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, and we, your food wouldn't taste good. Keep going.
1: Americans, we have even in the world, we have refused to follow these recommendations, and so we are looking, we are doing research to look at methods how we can allow people to eat, you know, as much salt as they want, as it, you know, to put food to their taste while mitigating cardiovascular disease. And, uh, you know, so that we have a follow-up study that we found. In fact, we are recruiting people right now into a study where we call them, put them into the hospital, give them an amount of salt. And what we find is surprising. Some people increase their blood pressure and inflammation when you give them high salt. Some people remain the same. They are not at all responsive to salt, but some people act the opposite way. So this is not... One size fits all. It should be, uh, you know, each person should know their own salt, in, you know, how they, their salt index or how they respond to salt. And then recommendations, that are recommendations, and even sometimes treatment should be customized for each person.
0: Yeah, a lot of people that listen to this podcast exercise frequently. And so if you're in hot, humid environments, you're exercising frequently your sodium intake requirements may be a little bit higher, but if you're sedentary obese and you have all these other comorbidities. yes. So it's really interesting. It's like our bodies is, is, is a interdependent matrix system. So it's not, it's not usually just one thing. It's like this may be the tipping point for five other things, right?
1: Yes. You are wow. you are exactly right. You know, the you know, each person has a different, you know, when you're exercising and you're sweating a lot, definitely you need to replenish that sodium intake. And also, you know, sodium is can also is good, physiologically good for your body. Uh so there is depending on your on your lifestyle, you have your own salt in, index. And what the, the message here is that you need to know. Enroll to our studies and know your salt, how how responsive you are to salt. We will measure your inflammation and your blood pressure. And we have had people that have been able to change their lifestyles according to how sensitive they are to salt.
0: That is really interesting. What other factors outside of salt can impact the microbiota?
1: Yeah, so uh, fiber. I mentioned fibers, eating, intermittent fasting, caloric intake, time-restricted feeding, Exercise, exercise, as you mentioned, I know that you're probably more an expert in mm-hmm. this exercise, but exercise fosters a healthy gut microbiota, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, the mechanisms can, you know, make sense to me, but you know, I haven't really read a lot of research about it, but it can, you know, exercise can reduce the transient time through which the food is in the gut and that can have an impact. It increases blood flow to the mm-hmm. gut. It can potentially activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which allows you to relax. That's why you, you know, your body is just so relaxed during, uh, you know, after an excess exercise. And also, it can reduce oxidative stress and inflammation. And uh, the exercise. There are some studies that show that it can reduce your appetite. You know, it, yeah. you know, you're spending energy, but some mechanisms show that it can reduce your appetite. And we know that caloric in, in, uh, intake impacts your microbiota so exercise is good I, I need to tell
0: this to myself <laughs> there was actually a paper that was published recently i'll have to find it but it was about high intensity interval training and its impact on appetite and yes it, it can be an appetite suppressant yes. i can't remember the 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 authors but i did read this in the past few months and it was now of course what do people want to do well what's the pathway what's the enzymes let's bottle that yeah. up into a pill now why don't you just go out and do the work it's cheaper too exactly. but uh This is super interesting. The next conversation, I want to dip into time-restricted feeding, okay? Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot of the podcast on your phone and share it with a friend who may be experiencing gut issues and could benefit from this conversation. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.